With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Time to talk some football and joining us to do that now is former All-White Jacob Spoonley. Morning, Spoons, how are you? No, 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 she's talking about the daffodils. Sounds like fun. Do, do you know the daffodils, do you? <laughs> no, patiently enjoying that chat. Oh, okay, all right. No, no, fair enough. No, no, that's good, mate. That's good. Put your feet up. Put your feet. Don't want to push you too hard on a Monday. Hey, uh, I've got to ask you though, how mental? How mental was that game between Chelsea and Man City to wrap up the EPL weekend? Oh, mate, I was up uh, again. The little fella ready for daycare, and honestly, I missed all the major parts, and it just insane. So I've caught up a little bit online at the moment, but. What a game of football, and what a way to announce yourself and to really announce yourself as Mauricio Pochettino's Chelsea team. Well, 100%. And, you know, the other thing too, and we'll go through the game, but, I mean, you know, um, it finishes for all. There's a, William Hill have just put a tweet out. They had a customer who had five quid on it to be two all at halftime and four all at full time and won £7,500 uh, for five-pound bet. That That is drunk betting if ever I've heard it. But uh, Cole Palmer as well, the kid coming through the Man City ranks – Basically, I don't know if he fell out with Pep, but said to Pep he didn't think he was going to get enough game time, so he wanted to leave. So they sold him for big money to Chelsea, and he scores the penalty that makes it 4 all. Yeah, it's an interesting one. There's a little bit being made about this, and it seems that the threads of the move from Man City down to Chelsea are starting to be pulled on. So I'm sure we'll get some more background about it. But Chelsea wanted him, wanted him badly over the summer. They saw him as being the foundational piece for their team moving forward. Conversely, Cole Palmer was only being given really cameo roles in preseason games, which seemed quite bizarre. He's about six foot four. He can play on the wing, can play central, and he can play kind of like an advanced midfield role. Technically, very competent. And you had to wonder why Pep wasn't giving him a chance, particularly after Chelsea, uh, sorry, Man City had sold Sterling as well to Chelsea, and they also brought in foreign talent like Alvarez, and they had this local product sitting right on their doorstep. So I'm going to be quite keen to see how that transpires in terms of the details coming out. But in terms of today, gets that uh, gets that equalising penalty and deep into injury time, and that must have felt pretty sweet for the big man. I was going to say, six foot four, can play on the wing, can play up front, can play sort of in behind. He sounds like a Kai Havertz that knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. Mikel is going to come in for a few more straight ones, I think, over the course of the next month or so. Um, but yeah, you're about right there, I think, Ricardo. Yeah. All right, mate. Uh, well, let's talk about a few of the other scores from the weekend as well. Um, seems like Europe and injuries and a few other things catching up with Newcastle, uh, dropping points, losing 2 0 away at Eddie Howe's old side, Bournemouth. Uh, and of course, not the only upset of the weekend with uh, Spurs losing back to back games, going down to Wolves with those two uh, injury time goals as well. Yeah, well, injuries, I think, is the, is the main word, particularly for Spurs. Ange Postacoglu is now having to go deep into the wizarding bag to try and come up with some magic. Um, I think the words were well said before the game um, by whichever pundit was building up the match that he would not expect Spurs to win that game at Wolves. Uh, Gary Neal obviously has Wolves flying. 
um, and they seem to be taking incremental steps uh, to improve in each week. And then Posture Cogley was having to deal with uh, the demands, the extra demands of not only suspensions but also um, players that are away with injury. Um, so you can kind of see a little bit of a speed bump coming up from Spurs in the next couple of weeks, and it's not really ideal timing as we're about to hit that Christmas crunch period where there's games every second or third day, it seems. Um, but the the interesting one for Football fans in this country, particularly fans of the new Auckland franchise coming along, online, is that Bill Foley's Bournemouth uh, are starting to pick up points under Areola, and it's been very, very timely. Um, they needed to start getting together some cash in the bank and to get that scalp against Newcastle, against their old coach, Andy Howe, um, I think is a, an absolute apt um, statement of intent from Areola and to, to start paying back um, what is... A lot of trust has been put in, put in him by Foley because he was the man who replaced O'Neill, who had done such a great job to keep Bournemouth in the Premier League last year. Hey, Jacob, how, how hard is it to, to manage those rosters? Um, you know, because it's, it's not full-on collision like rugby and rugby league, and then you have all those that Christmas window where they're playing every second day. How hard is it for the likes of Posta uh, Mogalu to, to, to manage his roster through that period? I think, Kim, if we step back and, and have a look um, specifically before we go generally, Postacoglu lost Harry Kane right on the eve of the season. So that means he's now all of a sudden got to replace somewhere in the region of 25 to 35 goals a season. So you've got to go out and find players that, that can um, aggregate and provide you with a solution. Uh, there's no one that will replace Harry Kane like for like. Um, and then in amongst all of that, he's now got those those injuries, and it's really a crab shoot, Kempe. So you'll always get knocks. You can quite always has players that are out for six weeks, a month. It really depends on, on the type of injury. And, and unfortunately, James Madison, a really pivotal player for Posta Coglu, is out. So he's out until the new year, which means he's going to miss a really important chunk of the season. Um, so there's always a little bit of... Uh, a gamble or there's always a little bit of luck that's required um, in this situation I think Postacoglu has been really unfortunate because he's lost not only a player but a really important one in Madison um, but generally you probably want to keep around about 18 to, to 23 first team players in the squad mate and that's to ensure that you've got all your contingencies in place but you know Kempe you've got to keep those egos and those uh <laughs> those demanding players in line as well. Especially you footballers. Jake, I was talking to Kempe actually earlier uh, this morning about it and about how tight the Premier League is. I know we're only 12 games in, but if you look at it from Newcastle in, tw- in seventh to Man City in first, there's only eight points covering those those teams. Uh, and in fact, between first and fifth, there's only three points. Did pre-season, did you see this... This uh, being this tight this season? To be honest, I thought it was going to be um, a single horse race. Mm. I thought Man City were going to run away with it. There was a lot of noise being made about Arteta. Um, but I, particularly after the season started and the decisions that he was making to improve the team, the likes of bringing in David Raya, the, the preference for Kai Havertz, you started to see, I think, Maybe not the checks and balances that he placed upon himself last season, and then also potentially a little bit of vanity, I think, in those two projects. So they're not always going to be practical and pragmatic. But to your point, Ricardo, I don't think it's going to stay that way. I reckon we're probably going to see one or two teams 
start to really jump away. Um, if I'm being honest, the way in which Jurgen Klopp's team had started the season, I was expecting him to perhaps be up there with Man City. But there's a bit of a chink in the Man City armour before Christmas, and we don't typically see their best until January and February when they're on those, was it, 12 to 15 game runs unbeaten or, or at least winning um, all but one of them. Well, there's something else to throw in the mix as well this time around. They've got to go to the Club World Cup. So they're going to give a backlog of fixtures when they come back from that. It's going to be interesting to see how he manages the squad. You reckon uh, people look to dip into the transfer market in January? Um, sometimes he does. Yeah, it's it's always a bit of a um, an interesting one. Um, to Kempi's point, though, he carries one of the lightest squads in the Premier League. So um, Guardiola sees it as an exception to have a first team of 18 players. Um, typically, he likes to roll with 17. So that's the type of precision that he um, works with and that the standards that he demands of his players. And I think you'd probably look back at that and then raise an eyebrow and say, well, the amount of games you've got, mate, that's it's quite light. The positive on the other side is the cohesion that he's able to achieve within that group. So if a player drops out and needs to be rotated, then he knows that he can call upon a ready-made replacement to put in and he doesn't drop standard. Right, let's let's flick uh, our focus towards uh, the Phoenix, mate, because uh, beginning of the season, it's been great for both. Paul Temple's made a great fist of it as being the new Phoenix women's coach. They've won three games in a row for the first time ever. Uh, Macy Fraser, that free kick yesterday. Just, just how good has Paul Temple got them going? And, and what do you think the difference is? Um, Paul Temple's got them flying. Um, and he's got relationships with the players. So he's been the academy, I think, director at the Phoenix for a while. He's also got a background in women's football, although he's been focusing on the men's game up until recently, up until his appointment. Um, the thing that I'm seeing that wasn't present in the first two seasons um, is direction and certainty that's been provided to the players. It's really clear that they know what their roles are um, and that they've got confidence that they are being provided with um, clarity in that respect. They're not chopping and changing each week. There's not too much rotation uh, within the squad. You can basically name the spine um, any given week, which I think plays a massive, massive role. And then combine that with this this natural competition, this natural ambition that Temple has. Well, he walks the walk, but he also installs in the team. Um, so... I think this is a team that everyone wanted to see last year, and it's great that we've finally seen the fruits um, of our women's national program, but also the Wellington Phoenix's investment into into that side of the game. I, I mentioned that to Paul Temple when we had him on last week, Jacob, that they looked a hell of a lot more crisp in the way that they were passing um, the ball around, but also when they were put, getting into those those shooting positions that they would taking them with a heap of uh, confidence. And we saw yesterday another really nice goal. Is is it as simple as that? If you just pick your right team, you give them that confidence, you let them go out there and deliver the message, that is is the reason why they knocked off last year's finalist? Um, It's a good question. I would say no, Kempe. Um, It's probably not. Um, So there's a couple of other factors as well. I think recruitment's been um, a big one. So there's been... um, recruitment, uh, I think there's been a couple of players that have let go that didn't necessarily contribute towards the first couple of seasons. Um, so there's been, I think, consequences in that regard. But then there's, there's been players that have been brought in that were outside of the squad for the last two seasons that have been really impactful. And it's kind of it opened up a conversation as to why they weren't included in the first two seasons. Um, 
So I, I think it's not just who you are picking, it's also who you are including in the squad. And I would say that this squad has got more depth. And, and that's fair enough when you bring in the likes of Speckmeyer and Breslin and, and Davison um, into the mix uh, as international players, but also the Kiwi players that they are including. Um, they're, they're really young, ambitious talent. And we saw that yesterday in this wonderful free kick from Macy Fraser, someone who wasn't included in the squads for the first two seasons, a young, local, talented footballer who's just begging for an opportunity to show what she can mm. do at any level. And she's done that before this weekend. This weekend was really the icing on the cake in terms of her burgeoning career. Um, so I can't wait to see what she can do over the next couple of, uh, next couple of uh, match days, really. And we've got that really important one up here in Auckland at the end of the month. Yeah, it's going to be a big one, uh, the double header at Mount Smart Stadium. Hey, Jacob, on the men's side of things, uh, it, it feels like, can you get your take on this, we have two different men's teams. We've got the team that plays at home and the team that plays away. Uh, against West Sydney Wanderers Game 1 and against Melbourne Victory on the weekend in Melbourne, both times teams sat deep, didn't really create a lot. I think I don't think the Phoenix had a shot on target or even a shot at all uh, in, the, in the game against the Victory. It was similar against West Sydney Wanderers, yet seemed to be golf fest when we play at home. <laughs> I think you might be being a little bit privileged there, uh, Ricardo, um, or potentially buying into the Australian narrative that came out of 10 after the game. Um, I remember sitting there thinking, oh, that was a decent game of football. Uh, and then all we heard from the pundits was, oh, I can't believe that Melbourne victory didn't come away with points. You know, it was just unlucky on the day. Mate, it was the complete opposite, um, if I'm being honest. The, the team needed to ride their luck at times, but if you look at the two away fixtures that they've played so far this season, they're playing two teams that are making a huge argument early doors to be at the top of the table. You talked about how close the Premier League was, Ricardo. Well, the A-League, I think, there's a point between the top six. Everyone's on either eight points or seven points. Um, and this is the Phoenix's best start to a season, the Phoenix men's uh, best start to a season. And that's coming through a debutant coach in uh, Giancarlo Italiano, which I think speaks to the succession and the foundations that the club have put in place, particularly under Tale, and, the, and now have been evolved under Italiano. Um, so, yeah, they are scoring goals at home, which is wonderful. But they've demonstrated a real resilience, which we didn't see from them last season, against two sides that are definitely in the playoffs this year uh, and I think that's the thing that is really rewarding for this team um, so, so early on they are picking up points against teams that they want to be competing with and they're doing so in their own backyard mm. Yeah, it's interesting mate, I, I did have to have a look at those stats though and go because I watched the game and I thought, oh, yeah, I mean, we we defended well for for large parts of it, but we didn't do, offer a lot going forward. That said, could have won it with that penalty if that marginal offside hadn't been given. Uh, but I do digress. Before we let you go, uh, Bournemouth, Auckland City, A-League, you mentioned it early on. We're about 10 months away. Uh, haven't seen a coach named. A lot of work to do between now and kickoff. What are you hearing? Are you expecting something soon? Yeah, well, I think we're in the real mix of the regulatory phase stuff. Um, so there were two key phases to this particular expansion process. The first is establishing who a preferred bidder was, and that was going to be done exclusively by APL. So they just got to pick who they thought the best bid was. Once that person or that uh, consortium had been identified, it then went into this regulatory 
um, washing machine, which is where it got bounced around between AFC, OFC, New Zealand Football, Football Australia, and APL. Um, and I think that's probably taken a little bit longer than expected. And the real reason for that is that you've got to have the sequencing right, um, where you put all your proposals to those different boards, um, and it's got to match up with each of those bodies' um, board meeting dates. So. I probably imagine that we're going to hear something at the back end of this month, maybe even like um, at the back end of the international window. Um, I would say that's probably the case. Uh, but you're right, Ricardo, this is going to be an absolute sprint. Um, St. Louis and the MLS had three seasons to prepare. MacArthur and the A-League had two seasons to prepare. We're now down to, it's not 10 months, mate, it's like six to seven months. Um, mm. Because you've got to remember that the contractual window opens on the 30th. Uh, the 1st of July, rather. So really, really tight. But that's locally. Internationally, we've got it really quickly. Callum McCallock scored another goal for Stiltberg in the Super League in Denmark. And then Libby Kakache, 95th minute winner. He didn't score it himself, but he played the 90 minutes for Empoli against his father's team, Napoli. A it, huge result. In Naples, too. In Naples. Exactly. What a massive result. What, what a and good to see Ben Wayne get on the score sheet as well. Ben Wayne scored for Plymouth in the championship as well. I think he's the first New Zealander to score in the championship since Chris Wood in 2017. I think uh, maybe even the same ground I heard um, rumours as well, Ricardo. So, yeah, Ben Wayne scored before he went into the international break. And then Joe Bell up in Norway played uh, started again for Viking. So we've got this, this young cohort again just starting to accumulate and, and gradually growing the minutes that they are, um, that they do have in European leagues. Oh, mate, looking forward to the All-Whites getting in, uh, into it against Greece and Republic of Ireland over the international break as well, Jacob. Hey, listen, mate, I really appreciate your time this morning. Thanks. Uh, I know you've got the young family. You're juggling all of that. So I appreciate it. Go well, and we'll catch up soon, eh? Lovely. Thank you, Ricardo. Cheers, Gabby.